Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to week 13 of using databases in education. And it looks like we have a, a small class tonight, but, you know, those of you that are out there in TV land who are listening to this, we missed you, but we must go on. Um, things we're going to talk about tonight is we want to review a couple things along the lines of uh, the field trip, and then also we're going to analyze the... Uh, I, I want to I sit down and talk with you about how we're going to analyze the, um, the success of this project that we're doing. Because when we get to the end, we have to be able to define whether it was successful and who contributed to it and how that's supposed to be taken care of. And then <coughs> we'll take you know, things about who, whether we achieve the requirements and the deliverables and those sorts of things. Um, we'll review a little bit on the rest of Chapter 6. And then I want to continue the, I want to get the uh, discussion process for the Henning Project moving along. I know that we'll be missing one of our people. I'm hoping that we'll get another one. Could you go close that door for me, please? Thank you very much. Okay. Now, as I said, we are going to be having a, a field trip where we're going to be going down to Cedar Rapids. We'll be leaving here at 4.30. You said that's when you could come in, Rob? Yeah, I can be here by 4.30. Good. We'll be leaving here at 4.30. We will meet right outside this door yeah, on the way over to the parking lot. And then we will drive down there. It should be about an hour drive. And then we will um, sit down and meet with Mr. Barnum and then go out and discuss our discoveries over a little bit of, I don't know, Thai food or something like that. That would be really good. But if you have other ideas where to eat, you know, we could do that as well. Um, any questions before we get started? And not just on that, but on anything else. Chapter H today? Chapter H, yeah. Do you have it? Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay, why don't I, I collect your chapter H right now? Thank you very much. Oh, I'm a little bit behind on correcting these, but I'll be getting them back. I do have some papers I'll be giving back to you at the end of the session. <coughs> We have that. And um, the, the question I want to bring up here is how are we going to assess the success of our project? Now, please note that this is, you know, as I said, we're developing this class, um, and this project that we're doing right here has to do with an actual application of using the databases that we were talking about, plus the analysis and how we can, we can put all that together. And so, We've already identified some of the deliverables. We've identified some of the requirements that our, our client had asked us. And so what I'm, I'd like to develop with you is a process in which we can use to define how well people did and use that for assessment and evaluation of people's participation in the project. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to use Microsoft Word and get our ideas up there. Please, thank you. Um, okay, turn that off. Can you see that or do you want it bigger? Okay, so let's get some feedback. What should, what should we go about with, as far as assessing this? If you're a student, a uh, student self and group assessment. Student self and group assessments. So you, and what, what, what we'll do is we're going to start here with some brainstorming. Okay. Student self. Now, what does student self assessment mean? So, as an example, I would assess myself. I would assess the other five people. Okay. Based upon whatever criteria I guess they come up with on this one. On this okay. So that's based upon prescribed criteria, right? Yeah. Okay, so you've got student uh, self and group assessment, and then it would be assessment of the group or assessment of other people in the group? Of individuals inside the group. Okay. Okay. Okay, what else? I don't know. See if we can make a checklist, some type of rubric so that 
compare what we produce compared to what he expected. Okay, so we're going to be comparing um, intended deliverables with um, the results. The resultant deliverables. I just love that word, don't you? <coughs> okay. What else? Part of that has to do with, say, process. Well, what's the actual process we would use to implement this? So do we have we have a benchmark already in place for the intended deliverables? Is that correct? Well, we, we've identified what they are, right? Yeah. Okay. Deliverables are identified. Okay. Um, quality levels of the deliverables are not identified. Okay. What about individuals responsible for the deliverables? The work breakdown? this be, for example, I was to look at web interface, whether or not I achieve that task, something to that effect? Or <coughs> well, I, I think it, ha it has to do with the actual what's produced. I mean, going out and saying, yeah, I looked at web, web interfaces, spent half an hour on the web, I don't know if that would be, you know, that's, that's, that's not a measurable outcome. Yeah, and that's what I was, like, that's kind of where I was getting at, is how we get up. So we need measurable outcomes. Okay. So we have to identify what those are. And then other than <coughs> giving it to the Dr. Henning and have him use it with a teacher, it would be something to do some type of reflection or questionnaire or something for them to reflect on once they've used it. Reflection for teachers after using it. Now, I must admit, I, th I think that's a good idea, and I think for an, a longitudinal study of that, that'd be great. For the practicality of this class, since you're going to be <laughs> turning it in the week before finals, yeah. I, I don't know that we're going to be able to field test it. Yeah. Although well, you, you might want to field test it with, with students or people, you know, you, you, you're at a school. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I personally can field test it. That's not that's not good. I mean, like that's somebody else who's not actually. Well, that's an alpha test. And actually, if you sign up for the instructional computing design class next semester, although you haven't taken ID yet, right? Okay. In the following s spring, I'll be teaching instructional computing design, and we'll be going through the whole process from beginning to end. And that's the whole process of identifying, you know, a, a client, and going out and identifying who the um, the audience is going to be and what their needs are and what type of hardware constraints are there and software constraints, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to the very end where you have alpha testing, which is everybody within a group, you know, people inside the company actually reviewing it, and then you have the beta testing where you have focus groups that take a look at it and you make the modifications and you're working with the client throughout. So what we're doing right now actually is, is a kind of a mini instructional computing design because it's, it's one where we're just doing it over a few weeks. And it's definitely not as in-depth, and it definitely is not as um, as specifically laid out and, and assessed as the other one would be. <coughs> Anything else? Could we have Dr. Henning at some point evaluate it? Okay, Dr. Henning could evaluate it. Okay. And 
And then I would evaluate it. Oh, yes. Dr. Z would evaluate it. Okay. Now, <coughs> so that, that would be the process as far as, as Kazuntai, as far as, oops, as far as creating the, the rubrics and things like that, um, that's something that we could work together on or that's something that perhaps I could do. I think right now I'd like to see you work hardest at getting the work done, okay? Yeah, that would make sense. And, and I, I would work on identifying some ways in which these could be evaluated. Um, although I'm definitely going to ask for some, some input on that, and we'll ask for that tonight. I want, I want to get your, your, your motors going, get you thinking about what the possi possibilities are. Um, anything else? So just kind of an overview of what we have so far. So we have each student assessing themselves and each individual group member. Then we have Dr. Henning evaluating the finished product as well as Dr. Zeitz evaluating the finished product. Right. Is there any opportunity for Dr. Zeitz to assess students, not necessarily just the final product, but well, student work levels? That, well, that's, that's the tricky part, and that is that I'm assuming, you know, you guys have to get this done outside of class. Mm -hmm. And since I didn't I, uh, assign specific projects, I put it in your laps. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I need to, to see. And I think that's probably going to be part of the group assessment. And I, I think tonight, um, I know you're going to be leading uh, a discussion about how the project's going, and it's going to be a, a bit limited, so I may involve myself a bit more than usual. But tonight, what I'd like to do is, um, could you please give me the, the work the division of work that you've identified. Because that, that way we can identify who's responsible for what. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so how, how have you divided things out? Let's see, I had to put the table up last week. Mm -hmm. So table creation? Table creation. Okay, and that's Andy? Okay, what else? And I took care of the power school possibilities of Excel on important. Okay, so accessing uh, data yeah, that's fine. from PowerSchool. Yeah. And not that it was delegated to me, but I also put together a set of set of data in case we would need to use that instead of getting access. We talked about getting Dr. Henney getting PowerSchool, but he doesn't seem to be able to do that because okay. of confidentiality. Yeah. So. But that's, that's what you did from where you were, right? Yeah. <coughs> now, were you doing the analysis as to how you're going to access data using access? What's that? Is that <laughs> let, me, let me create another sentence for that that doesn't have access in it in so many ways. Um, it, that first one, accessing data from PowerSchool. Mm -hmm. You were going to look at how you could take it from PowerSchool and turn it into a spreadsheet? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And then, as far as taking it from a spreadsheet and putting it into access, it would be going from Excel into PowerSchool, and so that the main concern would be to, to make sure that we match the field names in the Excel to match the field names on our access, so that the pre-made queries would all be already set up. So that's something that you created? You, you've that's something that I explored, and I talked to multiple people on it, and they basically said that the, they can just basically select data from PowerSchool and can enter it into an Excel, and, and basically change the name of each field to what we would require it to be. Okay. So maybe student number becomes student ID number. They would have to make those changes. Okay, now who's, who's responsible for identifying what fields are necessary? I think we already have that in the preliminary setup that we had with um, the word. We identify those fields. Okay, so that was the group. Okay. What else? <coughs> I actually looked into the, again, the web interface, but not just going out to the web, but actually figuring out what access can do. And one of the limitations I found was 
getting the proper active X control, is that what it's? Okay. Active yeah. X control right. for the charts to display uh -huh. dynamically. And that's one thing that I was going to hopefully sit down with Rick Seeley and talk about. Okay. But he was scheduled to get an email from him again until next week. So I'm well, we might try Jason better. Okay. Okay. You might want to contact him. Okay. Okay. Um, getting proper X control for the charts to function properly. Yeah, because I can so get it to where you're inputting, and you can see some dynamic action that way. <coughs> but since we're not using that, you know, form interface to type in anymore, I'm kind of scrap that, and I'm trying to get the web interface for just simply getting those charts to display and be dynamic so that they don't have to save individual static pages every time, you know. Okay. So taking one page and making it so that it'll be able to show different charts as you, you know, okay. import folder changes into it. And it, did you, you guys came up with an actual model for how you wanted to set this up, correct? That was what happened last week? Mm -hmm. That was your, yeah. your example. Okay. So you generated the model for tables, and that was the group. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the other people we um, ex expected to be doing at this time? Yami was going to work on trying to set some queries up, I believe. Or was that Cali? <laughs> yeah, I think Cali was going to talk <coughs> about that, isn't that? That's the way I understood. Yeah. I yeah. And she said that she sent him an email, but didn't get anything back. I saw Dr. Henning, and he told me that uh, he did post some things on, on your website. Yep. What about documentation? You mean the actual sending it in and the directions? Actually, the directions and how, how the whole thing is going to run. Yeah. And who's going to be responsible? And so, Andy, are you responsible for the charts? That's going to be have charts and those sorts of things. I think that's. <laughs> okay. And, but see, the thing with the charts, and then also with all these other things, is that it's just an observation that they're all kind of built upon one another. So, like for example, we need the queries from Yaomi to make charts work, or we need a form created by Cali to make charts work. We need the individual table for the queries, and we need uh, so, you know, so this building process, and I don't think we've identified specifically what we need in each block, like I need to have the table done by Friday morning with all the fields that we're definitely going to use, not just a model, but the specific product then Yaomi needs to have the queries built by Monday with these specific criteria. That's one of the things I don't think we have is that we're still kind of in this experimental phase where right. all the pieces are kind of scattered out and in order to move past that we need to start stacking them on top of one another. So that's our logistical concern right now. So we need what's called a perk chart or a, a chart that shows the progress and, and an, actual, an actual timeline of what things need to be done and when. Right. We need to have the table done sometime soon, so then we can. Yeah, I guess so. Tonight, yeah. time to work on it. Just make sure we have those fields where we want it. Okay, so maybe that's something that um, tonight, as you guys work, why don't you come up with a timeline? We can do that as well. Okay. In other words, what you need to do is identify what what pieces need to be included. This is due the following Friday, Thursday after. Well, actually, what we're going to do is the following Thursday after Thanksgiving just happens to be a trip down to Cedar Rapids. Oh, that's right, that's right. So I've extended, remember, we're going to extend yeah, it one yeah, more week. Right. <coughs> and so what this means is a lot of this is going to be done outside of class. And I think it's possible with the, the discussion posting. So I, we can finish the table tonight, put that up in the discussion, put the timeline up there, and Yaomi has to have, this is an example, his query done by Sunday night mm -hmm. so that Callie can work on a chart by or four by Tuesday night, and then Rob and I can do a chart by Thursday night. So, I mean, we can have it aggregated like that. Yeah, I think that would probably, your, your family would just love the fact that while you're working, while you're eating turkey on Thursday night, 
that you'll be pouring over an I'm access focused. book. Yeah. I'm focused. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the, the idea is that we need to get this timeline done. It needs to be communicated to everyone in the group. And we'll also include Sandra and Kathy in this process. Uh, they were going to be doing the documentation, perhaps, or, or you guys figure out what they need to do. That, that would be cool. I mean, especially because the part of the documentation is being able to, to put it. I mean, I like the way our book does it, step by step <coughs> by step. Uh -huh. And maybe it would be better to actually have some people outside that aren't working on the table. Because I'm afraid that after us doing it so frequently, we're just going to assume that kid, people know how to do these steps, do this step, do this step. Does that make sense? So what we're looking at is that um, Sandy and Kathy would actually probably be doing some beta testing for this yeah. as well as the documentation for it. We sent to them and they could, they could come back in from the discussion tool and say, you know, if this didn't work or this was confusing or this step. Okay, this and this would mean that it would have to be done the last week. In other words, we've got Thursday which is when we're going to be going on, on the trip down to Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. And then you have the following, till the following week, which is when it's going to be submitted. So that would, you would probably have to have most of your product done by Thursday, December 1st. The week that we're going down. The week that we're going down to Cedar Rapids. So that would give you two weeks to put this together, to organize it with people and, and put it together, make sure the connections are made. And as far as emails and connecting like that, What's real important is that you don't send out an email and think that your job is done. Mm -hmm. You send out an email and 20, if you don't hear from that person within 24 hours, you call them up, track them down. Make sure you have a face-to-face -face or at least a, a mouth-to-ear, okay, so that you get that kind of connection done, okay? Because we, we've, we've had an opportunity to do the the development, we've had an opportunity to do the ideas and the guesswork and things like that, but now it's real important that we bring things together so that we end up with a product, because otherwise this could be could, could fall apart, and we don't want to have that happen. Now, is this going to be something that's going to rival power school? Absolutely not. And frankly, is this going to be something that's going to be used in schools across the nation? Probably not. Is this something that could be used by a classroom teacher to try to figure out what's happening with their data? Probably, or at least it's a good start. Okay, uh, the idea is the process that we're dealing with here. And that's, that's real important. Um, I think when we talk about evaluating the, the folks, the, the students, I think one of the things that we need to look at, and like when we talk about group assessment, is we want to take a look at, um, I don't know what, level of work or level of accomplishment. We want to take a look at responsiveness. Plus you're looking at criteria not to. Right. Responsiveness, what else? Because a lot of this is going to be done individually. So maybe, maybe it's just accomplishment and responsiveness. So in other words, when you contact them, do they get back to you quickly? What kind of, I mean, uh, Sandy had a whole bunch of information that, that she already posted on the, uh, on the website, which I'm assuming that you, you took a look at. I thought, it, I thought it was very beneficial. I'm curious as to that, that query thing you did that she was talking about, is having to open it up to these specific objects mm -hmm. and access objects. I was, did she ever get back to your posting on that? Um, I don't know. I, she's, I don't know what she's envisioning there. Yeah, I, I wasn't too sure about that either. Yeah, that. But so we'll have, we'll have to take a look at that. If it's possible, that'd be phenomenal. We would. I, mean, I just. But she actually teaches access in, in, in her class, and so she. she <laughs> Huh? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was part of her introduction. Remember way back when? High we school? I think it was high school, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Nice. Oh. I, at least that, that's that's what I remember. Okay. Well, so we've got we've got a beginning here, and I'm going to print out a couple of these so that we can all take a look at it, and we can discuss it throughout the evening. Um. There we go. Okay. <coughs> So we talked about that. 
and you know how happy is the client, what's the quality of the work, who's doing the work, and whether we got the requirements and the deliverables. Uh, reviewing the rest of chapter six. If you'll open up your book, I didn't create a PowerPoint for this. I know that's a shock, but I just figured there, there was just a few things I wanted to talk about here. Huh? I thought the last part was kind of interesting. Well, it was. I mean, what we're talking about is, excuse me, <clears throat> when we talk about assessment and evaluation, there's actually a difference between those two terms. How would you define a difference or the difference between assessment and evaluation? I, I did mention something about it last week. But how would you define the difference between a assessment and evaluation? That's not even in the book, actually. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, well, I'm just thinking. I mean, uh, when when I think of an assessment, I think of something, something with cut and dry, you know, with more focused answers or focused results. Mm -hmm. when I think of an evaluation. I think of it as more broad, more open, and the the results might not be specific. It could just be more. The results are what you get. Definitely the other way around. That evaluation was more specific and assessment was more. That's, well, that's, the, way okay. <laughs> that's the way I, I that's the way I envision it all in my head. Think, think about it. Um, well, when you're driving along, you, and you've all been in this situation. I mean, you, you drive many many miles. I know you do too. And, and you you drive you're driving along. And you come up to a situation where you immediately have to assess. Assessment has to do with scanning, scanning the purview and saying, oh my gosh, what's happening? Right? And then you react. And the evaluation is, well, I survived another one. <laughs> or you come in and, I mean, think about when you, when you come in and let's say you're a couple minutes late and the kids are already in the class. Or let's say it's at home. The kid, you come home and you see the house has been absolutely demolished and you look around and you're, you're saying, okay, you're, you're assessing the situation. You're taking a look and you're looking around there and you see stuff all over the place. And you say, hmm, I'll bet you the babysitter didn't make it. <laughs> or in other words, the evaluation actually is where you're taking a look at the data that you get from an assessment. The assessment has to do with the instrument. Okay? And then the evaluation is taking a look at that data and what does it mean. And how we do that uh, is, is really an important thing to consider. And when we talk about, um, there, there's two different kinds of statistics that we deal with. We talk about descriptive statistics and inferential statistics. Now, one of the things, that there's a lot of different levels that I could have taken this class, and I really didn't want to turn it into a stats class. A couple reasons. Number one, it was my first time through, and I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't think we needed to get into t-tests and ANOVAs and all those sorts of things. Number two, I'm not a much of a statistician. I, 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 can, I know what the stuff is. I know what I can do with it. I also know who I can go talk to if I don't know what I need, what I need to know. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to make things a little bit more descriptive because when we talk about descriptive um, uh, statistics, we're talking about things called a mean, a median, percentages, and those sorts of things. And a mean is what? Average. And the median is what? middle, right. And then percentage has to do with ranking out of 100, right? Now, not percentile. Percentile is ranking out of 100. Percentage has to do with, well, it also has to do with 100. <laughs> Hence, the, the term percent, cent being 100, or coming from century, or centi, I don't remember what the Latin is for that. Oh, geez, I hate getting old. Okay, but cent, C-E-N-T, has to do with 100. <coughs> Anyway, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about descriptive statistics. And those are the ones that are usually used by teachers in the classroom. They don't typically use, you know, standard deviations and those sorts of things. Now, the people down at the administrative office usually do that sort of stuff. But they're not the ones that, that, that typically do that. <coughs> and um, so that, that's what we're talking about when we talk about descriptive statistics. They're, they're, in many cases, it's almost eyeballing it. But you can be a little bit more specific than that. When we talk about inferential statistics, the inferential statistics are where you're taking a, a group and you typically have a control group and an experimental group and you're putting those together and 
what you're trying to do there is you're trying to take a look at this small group and make generalizations, broader generalizations that go to other groups. Now if you're talking about a teacher in his or her class, they're not really worrying about the, what's happening there. And in fact, when you're talking about a school, they're not really trying to, you know, to um, generalize it to other schools across the nation, all that sort of thing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to take a look at what's happening in my school and what kind of, of, of um, manifestations am I seeing as to how well our program is working and, and students' attitudes and all that sort of thing. How does that all fit? And so they're not really going to worry that much about inferential statistics, although it is being used. I've never you, heard of that before. When what? I read through this, that's when it was, became interesting to me. The only place I've heard of the mention of these different scores was <coughs> in specific quantitative and qualitative, you know, research methods had mm -hmm. nothing to do with data analysis as far as schools go. And I was just floored that one would even know, begin discussing this. I mean, at a district level. I mean, it was... Well, you know, and, and actually that, that's one of, one of the things that, um, that, that Dr. Bernhardt is really good at, I mean, it really seems to know is how to deal with statistics and how, how to do that sort of thing. And I think that's that's very, very impressive. Um, but you're right. It, you, what you need to do is when you take a look at stats, what is it you're going to do with it? And if you're just trying to see if, <coughs> if the students are doing better this year or if they're doing better after, after an, um, something that, an intervention that you did, you know, a class that you taught or a lesson, if you're seeing that you see an improvement, you don't necessarily have to worry about standard deviations and such. Now, if you're going to be taking this information, and you're, you know, if you see that, that their averages went from 82 to 87, well, that's, that's a reasonable, now is it significant? I don't know. And you know, it seems like it would be significant, but before you start throwing that term significant around and you're saying that this, you know, this is a wonderful process and this is a great intervention because look, at, we went up 5%, you can't really say that until you actually use the inferential statistics where you can see if it is indeed significant. Well, and then it's all the other things that are associated with it. Exactly. Knowing the problems of internal and external validity, knowing those things. I mean, the statistics will be so far. Right. But it's the secondary research knowledge that makes the assertions of significance even that much put the weight to it. Right. And, and so what we're looking at, like I said, it's a matter of what's the practical application of these things. And, um, you know, when we're talking about inferential statistics, we're talking about t-tests or analysis of variance or correlations and regressions and things like that. And once again, that's typically not the sort of thing that they use. Um, Unless they're at a really advanced level three school district. Well, that, that would be true. I mean, I, I, I think that this whole different levels of use of statistics also depends on what phase they're all, they are, too. It almost it's almost directly correlated with that, too. I mean, on, on Wednesday morning, I had a faculty meeting where our principal presented us that I would set some basic skills for each grade level and basically had fourth grade to seventh grade and he identified which ones dropped and which ones improved and all the kids in the middle. No, no, wait. Okay, so it was fourth grade to seventh grade and they were comparing it from last year? No, from fourth grade to seventh grade. So this would be the eighth graders who are getting ready to take it this year. This is how much their their scores have changed from fourth to seventh grade. Oh, so so it was longitudinal for four, four, four years, three years, yeah, well, up four, five, six, four. seven, uh -huh. and then he was taking a look at what it might be for eight. No, it wasn't even then. Oh, okay, I see. Okay, it was um, here. This is this is how many drops, more dropped than improved. So what are we gonna do about it? Mm, okay. And so I'm just thinking to myself when anytime we're talking about these different statistics. Know, and which was kind of funny because he had the percentile ranks averaged in the bottom. But I didn't see he averaged that. the percentile yeah. rankings. Okay. And so I'm just thinking to myself, you know, where where are we falling short? Where are we missing the boat on this whole mm -hmm. thing? Now remember, he, he could have done he could have averaged the percentile rank rankings properly if he yeah. averaged the scores. Yeah. And then and averaging the scores, he then took a look at how what the per percentile equivalent was. Yeah. We know that. I don't know if he did, you know, and, and, and you may know or may not know whether he did. It's just important that we, we, and as consumers of statistics, to know about the validity of that is important. Now, is this something that's going to keep you up at night? Probably not. But at least it's something, you know, if, if, they're just, if they just see a couple little percentile differences, it is something you need, need to pay attention to. 
But so what you're saying is you're saying that, that you're actually seeing an application of it in the schools. To a point. Because <coughs> mm-hmm. I, I think they are missing the boat a lot of it. Okay. I mean, it, we're, we're, we're making curricular changes uh, according to two tests. I mean, mm-hmm. how valid is that? Well, it's a start. It's a start, yeah. And so, I mean, of course, I raised my hand and said, well, was there any way we could also include district assessments in here? Is there any way we can also do uh, the other assessments we do? Is there any way that we can take a look and actually get the data from 5th, 6th, and 7th grade, just not 4th and 7th? You know, actually look at... Oh, I thought you said it was 4, 5, and 6. No, it was just 4 and 7. Oh, okay. He didn't have data. Yeah, he didn't have data in there for 5th, 6th. Uh-huh. And so, I mean... You're tenured, right? What's that? You're tenured? No. You're not tenured. No. Okay. Well, well you're just looking at gain scores. Two separate. I, I just think that it's just really premature to to, to expect teachers to make changes to their curriculum with um, two scores. So what was the response that he had? Um, everybody's kind of looking around. Kind of looking around, saying, "Well, geez, no, we're not really sure about that." I think there is a lot of a lot of teachers that are that are overwhelmed with I mean with statistics and they don't know enough to know whether or not it's right or wrong, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's why we, if you can deal with, with descriptive st- statistics, that's something that most of us understand and we, we know what, what, it, what it means. Um, what I'd like you to do is turn to page 155, if you would. And one thing I really like about this book is all the actual data that they have in here. And... <coughs> Take a look at the uh, the cohort one and cohort two, and what they did is the cohort one and cohort two are actually two groups of students, and it's kind of like what you were talking about, and that is with cohort one, it was a group of students that started in grade nine in 2000, and then that group went to grade 10 in 2001, and then it went to group uh, grade 11 in 2002. And then there was a following group that the guy, the folk, the kids that were one year younger. They started uh, grade 9 in 2001, they went to grade 10 in 2002, and grade 11 in 2003. Now what I'd like you to do is just spend a couple minutes looking at that data and see if there's any kinds of trends that you're seeing. We won't discuss it except for after, say, three minutes of your own personal assessment. So Andy, why don't you tell us one one observation that you made? I saw that cohort one had uh, a fairly steady increase in decrease in below basic and increase in all the you know, more positive things you see being advanced, proficient. Uh, increase in those two with the decrease in the um, nope, that's not what happened. It just seemed that people went to the polls by the time that they were in 11th grade. That went to the polls. What does that mean? The below basic and the advanced. Those two increased for the first cohort steadily as it moved up. So it went from 29 to 38 in the below basic, and from 14 to 22. So there was a lot more non-achievement and a lot more high achievement. So, so this middle group kind of spread out towards the people polls. in the middle kind of ooze to the edge, right? You either got really good or you got really bad. Did you see that yeah, as well? Yeah, I was just going to mention the same thing. It just seems like whatever, whatever they're doing, it is not really affecting the middle students. But it's, well, it's affecting them to a point. But the big changes are the number of below and, and the number advanced. I mean, the, the, the difference between the has and has nots is the thing that's changing, not so much the. Me. 
mean student, the average student. Okay. Now, here's an interesting question. We're looking at this and we're saying, and, and let, let's take a look at what, what does this mean? I mean, if you're, if you're looking at these numbers, what do you think it means if you wanted to read something into it? <coughs> or, it was, there, there's a number of things it could mean. So what are some things you think it might mean? What's neat about this is this is, this is exactly the type of data that we get. <coughs> mm -hmm. I mean, this is. I mean, it'd be different if this was made up. But you can tell it's been actually based on real data, just because of the, the actual trends that we see. Okay. I mean, the question that we had was presented to us was, what is happening between fourth grade to happening to seventh grade that's causing these dramatic decreases in, in achievement? Okay. And so, so let's brainstorm. What What do you think it might be that's causing this push to the outside, push to the extremes? Let's just rattle some things off. I think we're disenfranchising the lower students somehow. Okay, so the, the, the lower students are getting disenfranchised. So that's an important point, is it might not be the same force for the ones who go down as the ones who go up, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it isn't like, like you've got a bowl of jello and if you press in the middle, everything's going to go out to the edge, right? It, it could be different, different things. What's another thing you might think it might be? <coughs> Got any ideas, Andy? What about a change in the student population? You know, if you think about it, when you look at this, we're assuming that the population is staying the same, aren't we? That's the same, what, 100 students or whatever? But what if we had a, a huge influx of students from the outside and... Um, a number of people move up. What if, what if this is in the middle of white flight or something like that? Or, I, I don't know, maybe there's some things like that that might be it. So, so we're talking about that there's something disenfranchising the, the lower students. Maybe we have new students that are coming in. Let's see if we come up with two more things that might, might be doing that. Uh, they also may be the type of classes that they're taking from 9th, 10th, and 11th grade, because I know that a lot of the classes in 9th grade, the number of electives, your choices are pretty limited, and you're required to take certain classes up to more elective classes while you're a junior or senior. Now remember that this, this only has to do with how well they did on the English language arts test. Oh, I'm sorry. Make sure you take a look at that. Oh, That's yep. the ELA, and I must admit that I had to, I had to go back and review it because I was looking at it and I was saying, so what exactly are they testing here? So this is how well they do in English language arts. <clears throat> yeah, but it kind of still jives with that because you're going to be taking different language arts classes as a ninth grader as you will in junior and senior. Okay. I mean, traditionally, you know, you take you take you know composition or whatever you know in ninth grade, and you work your well way up to college prep classes. So I don't know. Okay, so it could it could be the kinds of classes they're taking. Can you think of anything else? I just keep being drawn back to thoughts of what's going on in the curriculum. I can't the curriculum meaning what? Exactly. I <laughs> it's just the word that I have floating around in my head without anything specific being attached to it. What about looking for connections between what's being taught in the curriculum and what's being tested on the test? Now <coughs> The fact that you know the fact that we've got a diversity of, of, of change here may mean that that doesn't mean anything. Could also be that the students who are in the lower group, you know, maybe they maybe they group it by, uh, you know, when you talk about tracking, maybe they've just tracked it two with with two two tracks. You've got the uppers and the lowers, and it could be that in the tenth grade that they got a they had a really lousy teacher. Okay, or a lousy curriculum, or some sort of program that was in there wasn't addressing their needs. And when they got to the 11th grade to take that test, then it turned out that they didn't have the skills that are necessary. But uh, conversely, you could make it so that the, the higher ones had a really great teacher who expend, you know, expanded their, their thoughts and their processes instead. 
Okay, let's move over to cohort two. Now, that's a different group of students. What do you see there? <clears throat> and this time I'm going to try to be more quiet. <laughs> Not an easy thing to do. I see this big, this big lag in the 10th grade. I mean, compared to their other cohort over on the other side, <coughs> they're significantly more below where the other people were. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, if you compare the 10th grade in cohort 1 to 10th grade in cohort 2, I mean, look at the 31 below to 41 below. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I look at that, I'm thinking, well, maybe there's a teacher change. Maybe somebody or the change in program or change in teacher or change. Or maybe just, we just got a group of kids, this hundred group of students. Maybe there's something going on with the class chemistry, class mm -hmm. demographics that have changed that. I mean, as a teacher, you know for a fact that first thing you ask the teacher below you is, how is this group? Well, <laughs> they're lower than last year. Well, what does that mean? Do I have fewer smart ones, or do I have a lot lower, or a lot more lower ones, or you know, is there a bigger gap between the two? Okay. Andy, do you have any uh, suggestions as to what what you see there? Observations. I just see a pretty straight movement. Really, there's this little blip with in the in the tenth grade, but there really isn't much movement. Drastic movement as far as, as we saw in cohort one, where people are obviously moving towards the below basic and the advanced. Here, everyone's just kind of staying similar numbers throughout in the below, similar numbers in the basic, similar numbers in the proficient, similar numbers in the advanced through ninth, through tenth, through eleventh. I mean, it's just moving the same trend from ninth grade all the way across to eleventh grade. There isn't really any. So there's not a great deal of fluctuation. Yeah, I mean, there's that blip in ninth grade, but you can see that it's just taken a couple off of the proficient, a couple off of the advanced, and a couple off the basic. It's not like it's just, you know. Well, what about that huge number of, of 41 uh, below basic? Well, like I said, it's just taken a, a few from each. It's not like um, the advanced dropped all the way down to 10 or something like that. So you can see that there is a movement between, I mean, it's just a, Two so here, two here, two here. But so what you're what you're saying when you're saying like it cherry picked them off of each one of the other. Yeah, that this 41 isn't as I mean it's just okay, but we still have the <coughs> same type of, of, of a movement. But generally, but generally you want to do. Oh, that. Sorry, we're having class. Is there any way I can submit my uh, web address? Yeah, do it in the back. I I don't answer any Ed media questions. Okay. <coughs> but generally that doesn't happen. Either you you have kids slide from one <coughs> level to the next. Generally, I mean, you could have one kid who completely blows off the test and goes from advanced all the way down to below. But I mean, well, I look at it, I just think, well, they're getting, a, they're getting a, most of the kids from the the 22 there, from the the basic that are going down to below basic. So you don't think anybody actually? I mean, there's a pretty good chance that very few people went from advanced to below basic. Well, exactly. I didn't so I didn't mean it like no, no, that. I know yeah, you didn't mean it like that, but. I mean, I just think that everything's just being, being skewed, and the, the skew is just bigger going towards the below and below basic. Yeah, but uh, I guess the point you're making is that the relationship between all these <laughs> isn't changing that much. No, huh? Okay. I mean, it's. No, no. I guess that's a better way of saying it. Is that okay? Sure, that 41 looks big, but the relationship between the percentage of, uh, if we put it in numbers, like percent percentages, we see that it's not all that horrible. I mean, there's still like 17, 20 percent, 20, 22. I mean. It, relationship is the same. If you were to go out and do some additional research on this, where you were going, I mean, let's say that you've been given the job. Let's, let's say you're an assistant principal, brand new, just got there, principal comes in and says, you know, I've got this stuff here. I, I've got to find out what's happening here because we're, we're seeing some changes here. Now, you're saying it's not a big significant, but, but we are seeing an incredible number. I mean, it went up 20%, you know, from ninth to 10th grade, it went up 20% as far as, as the number of people below basic. Okay, we've already said that you don't necessarily have enough information if you only have scores from a test. Think about, in fact, what I want you to do is brainstorm right now. Get a piece of paper out or write in your book or whatever. Come up with five additional assessment tools that you would use to 
try to find out more information about what this, uh, you know, what the problem is. Or even open a word processor, whatever you want to do. <coughs> Well, it could be, a, well, yeah, the additional assessments that you'd be evaluating. And that's not strictly testing, though. Or no, I mean, it, it might be something that you, that you already have or more information you'd go out and get. put that down too. But you know, you think about it, something happened in there, you know, you gotta get as much different data from different <coughs> things you can. Like maybe something specific like changes in English grades. I mean that's or whatever they call it. Like that's the thing that bothers me is if we get if we go on just a few you know, like this one test, especially when it comes to the individual, you know, there's so many variables that you don't know that individual. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one girl who, who jumped from like 89 percent down to the 12th percentile on the on on her reading comprehension score, and everybody's like, "Well, we need to get her more help. We you know we gotta get her." You know, some and I'm thinking, you know what? I think she numbered wrong, or maybe she, you know, maybe her dog got hit that day on the road. I don't know. Maybe she blew off the test. Maybe she just blew off the test. Even though I mean her past mm-hmm. scores don't indicate that, and she's a hardworking student, but you know before make dramatic changes. So, I mean... Because one of our very own, one of the people in our class was saying that she would take some of those tests, like the CBIS, and, uh, or ITED, she'd take the ITED, and she'd end up drawing pictures in in the bubbles. You know, just kind of see what kind of formation she that one time or not. (laughs) You know, just, just because she didn't see any reason in taking it. Did you? Okay. Yeah, how do you like that? You probably... You I probably spent a lot of time. You spent a lot of time in principles? Yeah, I did oh too. Oh, my goodness. Unfortunately, mine was for beating people up. But <laughs> that was another part of my life. <laughs> okay, so what did we come up with? Andy, what's one of the things you think you might want to look at? I was looking at changes in attendance, overall attendance. Cutting classes, are, are students showing up? Okay. Same amount between ninth grade as they are in tenth and eleventh grade. Okay, so attendance. What's one you came up with? Um, I gave an additional test. Of what? Of the same similar content. Because? Because maybe the test is just harder that year. Maybe okay. there was maybe there's a question or two or three questions that were confusing. Maybe they weren't well designed questions. Okay, so you want to retest. Re yeah, deal with some other type okay. of Okay. Andy, what's another one? I stole yours, uh, demographic changes. Okay. Okay, what's another one, Rob? Um, I go back and look at their past scores. Here we have ninth, 10th, and 11th grade. Maybe go back even further and take a look, and maybe this is a, maybe we could see a trend every two or three years. They just kind of go up or down. So you'd, you'd take a look at a whole lot of other different types, um, yeah, the, the history of it. Yeah, and not just look at the, the language arts, but maybe look at reading comprehension and see if you can tie a connection well. Maybe they're doing bad on the, the language arts test, not because they don't know language arts, but maybe it's because they can't read. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was looking at some way to corroborate the scores, so look at specific changes in their English grades, or what it, language arts grades. So is there a difference between 
Joe Smith, you get an A in ninth grade and a C in tenth grade. So is there some type of corroboration to show that there's a movement to this more below basic? Okay. Okay. Anything else? Anything of any more, Rob? Um, well, we kind of <coughs> talked about it, but like personnel changes during that time. Go back and look at the the evaluations, or maybe how those teachers are teaching those lessons. Okay. Maybe, you know, if they, if they <coughs> basic and below basic, maybe the person isn't very cooperative when it comes to dealing with like kids who have IEPs or who have learning disabilities. Okay. Anything else? If I were a doc student, I'd do a random sampling of the different schools and run inferential statistics to see if there's a trend between the shift in ninth and tenth to eleventh grade. But only if you were a doc student. Only if I was you wouldn't do that if you were a ninth grade English teacher. No. No. Okay. <laughs> so you want to you want to get on the computer and look at the other statistics from other school districts to see if they also have a drop in those certain time periods. But see, even that can be you know misleading. I mean, there really needs to be a you know a systematic approach to go about to see if the results you're getting in your school you know are match the general population. Yeah, I mean, if there is some level of significance, and that's just not running statistics. It's the whole design of Right, see if something was happening in the world then. Yeah, I mean, is it, you know, is it some type of maturational dysfunction that occurs at age, you know, 16, or is there mm -hmm. something that would be an interesting study, that's what I said, if you're a doc student, not something that I'd like to see. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what kind of scores kids got in uh, October of 2001? Yeah. Seeing as how 9-11 was a month before. Mm -hmm. I mean, things or like 1999, that. September 1999. Oh, and compare them? Or no, no. Column, Columbine. That's right. Well, I, I was thinking Columbine, too. Um, I just wasn't sure when that happened. But, uh, yeah, okay. Oh, I, was, I, was, I was thinking you were doing September 11th. I was, the way I was doing I was doing 9-11. But, I mean, yeah. you know, there are certain things, you know, and depending on when you take it. Like when I took my SAT, I took it the day after homecoming. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. See, we gave, we gave the, the ITBS one time uh -huh. on Valentine's. Another, yeah, the hormones definitely got in the way on that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Mean, so these are all issues that you need to take a look at. And so when we're, when we're taking a look, one of the things that you're working on with the Henning Project is you're looking at how to assess the student's information and, and, and you're dealing with descriptive statistics. I'll tell you what, let's take a, a break. And then we'll come back in about 10 minutes. I've got 7.06 on my clock. So we'll come back about 15 after. And then I'm going to sit down and let you guys do some, some exploration. We'll put the uh, microphone in front of you, if we could, so that everyone else who, who isn't here can hear the discussion that's going on. You're swearing at one another. Yeah, one yeah, another that, that's the whole sort of thing. So they, they get, kind of get the whole... Get the feel. The, the feel, the, the internal motivations that you two are experiencing. Yes. Okay. And we do okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back from the break. But that was a very long break because what we did is when we came back to the classroom, um, Andy and Rob decided that what they wanted to do is work on organizing the, the project in such a way that uh, it would be, didn't need to be recorded. So the process is this. They've, they've spent probably about 45 minutes uh, working on the project, refining the list of responsibilities, and then the things that need to be completed are going to include uh, the d different deliverables, the table creation. Um, they, they've worked on that. Uh, they're going to need someone to do queries, someone to do charts, forms, the documentation. All of this has been identified. Uh, they've identified a timeline for this. And you will all be contacted through the WebCT. So look on the discussion group as well as look for email and try to track this down to see what, what you're responsible for. Please remember that it, they, they decided that what you're going to need to do is this needs to be completed in two weeks. That means that it, it will be finished, on, I mean, at least the project itself, the, the database, will be finished on December 1st. And then beyond that, uh, there, you need to have documentation and you need somebody to test it out. So what will happen is that on December 1st, which is the day we're going to be going on our field trip down to San, um, Cedar Rapids, on December 1st we will be having, um, you, you'll need to have the project completed and then it will be sent out to the um, lucky individual or individuals who will be beta testing it as well as writing the documentation. If you have any questions, um, please use the um, 
the discussion group and or email to communicate. If you have questions for me, you know that you can contact me through the discussion group, through email, or you can call my, my office or my cell phone. So there's lots of ways to contact me. So I hope that uh, things are going well for all of you, and I will talk to you later. That's the end of class number 13 of using databases in education.